Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck! The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links. Thank you for joining us. What a week we've been having in the sport of mixed martial arts. This past week was wild. Great UFC Austin card. Breakout performances galore from this past Saturday. And we get to answer a question thanks to one scorecard in particular about the main event this past Saturday. Is a really close fight actually a robbery this time around? We'll see what our panel has to say. Plus, this weekend has so much happening. We'll discuss all of that and more. Dana White and Nate Diaz having a little bit of a back and forth. So let's get into it and have fun with the esteemed panel. First, let us introduce a man who is back from vacation, Mr. No Gray Area himself, with takes so hot you'll need to hop into an ice bath when the show is over, Mr. Jed Bashu. Hello, sir. I don't know if it's vacation. I did a lot more than I... I didn't relax, let's call it that way. So I'm still recovering, uh, but should be more than enough to put the boots to Randy Costa. So that's fine. Well, there we go. And I'm happy to welcome back UFC Bantamweight, Randy Costa, the program. Love getting the fighter's perspective on here to spread their wings a bit. From an analyst perspective, he did some commentary for the legendary New England promoter Joe Cav and Combat FC recently. And he has his next in-cage assignment October 1st against Guido Canetti. Maybe, just maybe, with this incredible mustache, he will ride one of those 20-foot-high unicycles with lots of heavy, rounded-out barbells attached to his arms and show look at this friggin mustache man randy costa how are you i'm doing good man i'm going undefeated with this thing i promise you that <laughs> that is unbelievable that's the type of mustache a man named guido canetti should have if we're being honest like that's that is much more guido canetti mustache than a randy costa mustache yeah it's very guido canetti-esque for sure i agree i agree but God, it's man. not my face and i'm stuck with it and uh yeah dude it's mine 
that is just unbelievable. I don't even know if I can get through this show and be so distracted by, <laughs> by the mustache. But let's get into this thing, gentlemen. UFC Austin should actually be renamed UFC Awesome because it was awesome. What a card it was. One of the best of the year, for sure. <laughs> One of the best overall fight nights from top to bottom that I can remember in quite some time. Over-delivered as a whole. Main event saw Josh Emmett earn a split decision over Calvin Cater. It was a close fight. MMA Fighting's official score on Saturday was 48-47. Cater, I've watched it twice. I've scored it for Cater both times. And almost all the time, we have discussions like this, talking about close fights, and we do this on post-fight show. The word robbery needs to be locked away or put somewhere into the universe where it can't be found or used or said. However, Judge Chris Lee is the biggest talking point coming out of this fight, even more so than the fighters themselves, because in my eyes and in the eyes of most who watch this fight, the only clear as day round of the entire 25-minute fight was Cater in round four. To me, it was a clear Cater round. The other four rounds, you can at least make an argument in some capacity one way or the other that either Cater or Emmett won the round. Round four, not so much. This one, you actually couldn't. It was clear as day Cater won round four, but... Jed, Chris Lee sees the fourth round for Josh Emmett, which leads to a 48-47 scorecard for Josh Emmett. And if Chris Lee had scored this fight correctly, or at least that round correctly, Cater wins the fight. We're talking about what Calvin Cater does next, whether or not Calvin Cater gets a title fight. So because of that, did Cater get robbed in this one, or at least did he get hosed by Judge Chris Lee on Saturday? So we were talking about it before. Uh, I haven't seen the fight. <clears throat> I've watched every other fight on this card. Uh, but it, as I was trying to catch up, because I was gone this weekend, uh, it's a lot harder to be like, oh, I'm going to sit down for 25 minutes and watch this. And it's like, I'm going to spend 90 seconds to watch Kyle Dawkins get blown up. Like That's very easy to fit in and around <laughs> other things that you're doing. So this is the one fight of the card I haven't seen, which makes me uniquely ill-prepared to answer this. So I'm going to answer this more holistically because I can't say specifically in this instance what happened. Though all of the things I've read and people I've talked to, I feel that this probably is a robbery. Because here's the deal. Even if it's a close fight, Mike, if if the wrong guy won, then he was the right guy was robbed because he literally got half of his paycheck. And so by definition, he is <laughs> robbed of money in a fight that if you look at MMA decisions – there's some people who've scored it for Emmett, but the bulk of them scored it for Calvin Cater. MMAfighting.com, tremendous website. If you should go to it right now. Uh, and a very handsome man scored that round, uh, that fight for Calvin Cater, as you mentioned earlier. So when when the Bible of fighting, MMAfighting.com, says one thing, then that's, that's the truth as it exists. So Calvin Cater clearly should have won and thus was robbed of half his paycheck. And the potential opportunity to get in a title eliminator because he's not getting one now. And Emmett probably is is at least in that conversation. So I'm going robbery having not seen the fight. Wow. How about that? Randy, what do you think? Because again, we score this fight on an island. We sc- Like you scored a certain way. Let's just say you score for Cater. Emmett gets the nod before we look at the scorecards. We're not thinking it's a robbery at all. But then we look at Chris Lee's scorecard. We look at Chris scoring the fourth round for Cater or for Emmett, excuse me, and not for Cater when everybody else scored that round for Cater, then it changes things a little bit, right? Does it not? Like, wh- what do you think? Is is there, I don't know, even know, if you don't want to go as far as robbery, fine, but 
does Calvin Cater at least have a gripe here with Chris Lee? So like, like Jed said, <clears throat> I think in ter- I think robbery in terms of like the, the sport context, I don't really think that. I mean, I could see why it would go either way. I did have Calvin win, and I thought it was 2-2 going into the fifth. Um, I did have Calvin winning. But like you can't really say robbery because I could, I understand the argument on why um, why Emmett did win. Um, but dude, like Calvin lost or didn't didn't get half of his paycheck because of Chris Lee. I mean, there there needs to be there needs to be some sort of standard. Some something needs like the the judges need to be held accountable for these things, like right or wrong. All like it's it's crazy that we're in 2022 and still there's no standard and there's no line of like what the judges are. You don't know you don't know what the judges are seeing, and it's just something something I think needs to change. And I feel bad for a guy like Calvin. I mean that that was that was a big loss. You know he's. He's now not going to be in the title contention picture. He lost, He didn't get half of his paycheck, which is, you know, that's a, a, a fat amount of money considering he's had like three or four main events in a row. It's just kind of a trash situation, and, and there needs to be like some accountability with these judges, uh, especially Chris Lee. But, yeah, man, I, I, I wouldn't say like in terms of sport, I don't think it was a robbery. I, thought, I think that it could have gone either way. I'm not like upset about it. I could see the argument for either way. Um, but in terms of like finances, I think, I think that judges need to be held accountable. Yeah, and that and that's the thing. Like scoring the fight in a vacuum, I don't think it's a robbery. That scorecard is the only thing that makes this a talking point. Now, to move ahead, Josh Emmett did win the fight, Randy, and he gets on the microphone and DC asked him one question, and he just answered all of the questions in one shot, and it ended with him saying, "I want to sit cage side Dana White for UFC 276 on July 2nd." when Volkanovski and Holloway fight for the third time because I deserve to fight the winner. He feels like he should get the winner of that fight. And if Volkanovski wins, that would seem to give him a better chance because if Holloway wins, more than likely they're just going to run it back again because if Volkanovski wins two and then Holloway wins one, it'd be kind of ridiculous if Volkanovski doesn't get it right back. So in your eyes, let's just say Volkanovski wins. What are the chances he gets what he wants with this win on Saturday? Or do you think he has to fight another one? I do think that he definitely has to fight another one. Um, I think that, especially with a win like <clears throat> a win like how he had on on Saturday night, I don't think that is like the stamp in which like a, a guy that's now ranked what number four or number five should be fighting for the title. I mean, you have other guys that are that are you could argue have a better argument to fight for the belt. I just don't. I just don't think that really makes sense. I mean, you could Emmett squeezed out a decision over over Calvin. And the guy that's now fighting Volkanovski blew Calvin out of the water. It's just, it's just, it's really, it's just really hard. I think that Emmett, I think that Emmett's a beast. He's a savage, but I think that there should be one more fight uh, between now and uh, him getting the title shot. Jed, Emmett's in an interesting situation where you can book him in a number of ways and you're not really wrong either way because you got this title fight. If you want to give him the title fight, you can, we got Yaya Rodriguez fighting Brian Ortega on July 16th. Winner of that fight could have a say in this discussion as well. So if Volk wins, will Josh Emmett be next or will he have to be the biggest Brian Ortega fan on earth? Oh, I don't, he's just not next. I don't think the outcome of Ortega Rodriguez matters. Um, I mean, if, if Rodriguez wins, then for absolute 100% certainly he is not next. But I think if Volk beats Holloway, he is going to push really, really strongly for a lightweight title fight and kind of feels like they're going to give him one. 
I, again, I, we've talked about this before. I'm not a huge fan of that, honestly, just because I think there are a lot of, I would like to see Alexander Volkanovsky fight people that aren't Max Holloway because he just keeps beating Max Holloway, which is a tremendous win, but he has in no way cleaned out featherweight. He's beaten Max a bunch. He beat Korean Zombie, who in the UFC still has like a pretty high ranking, but like let's let's just be honest about what that is. That that's a holdover, not probably indicative of where the talent actually lies in the division. And the Ortega win, which was a tremendous fight. Like I don't know. I just like to see him fight. There are a whole bunch of up and comers at featherweight. I want to see him fight. So I don't really want him to go up to lightweight for that. But I think that that's how it feels like it's going. Uh, and conversely, if Holloway wins and they're running that back, so then Image for sure not. Image is going to have to fight again. And I think his, his two choices are he either fights the winner of Ortega Rodriguez if Ortega wins. Because again, if Rodriguez wins, he's getting a title fight. He does not need to put that on the line. So. If Ortega wins, he fights the winner. He, he fights Brian Ortega. And if Ortega loses, this is the one that he won't be that interested in. But I think it's he should just fight Arnold Allen for a title shot. Like, that's just how Arnold Allen has won like 10 in a row or something dumb. Like, that's just it. Like, they, those two dudes in a title eliminator, you put them together, go. And it seems pretty straightforward and easy for me. Last thing on this card, Jed, a lot of great performances, a lot of finishes, breakout moments. You saw all of those moments because you didn't get a chance to watch the main event. And I would say the answer to this question is not Josh Emmett or Calvin Cater. Who was the MVP of UFC Austin in your eyes, Jed Bashu? I mean, I think it just, it has to be Kevin Holland, right? Like he, Kevin Holland, every, a lot of people turned in dominant, awesome performances. Kevin Holland did it over probably the best guy of them, like uh, of of the opposition that was felled and really established himself as like a legitimate threat at welterweight. And I don't think any, for as good as some of these other wins were, you know, I don't think Phil Hawes is not like, oh, that dude is legitimately like a real title threat at middleweight. It's like that that dude's a good middleweight and he just beat the bricks off Durham win. But Kevin Holland is now, he is now a going concern for the top, you know, the top 10 at welterweight. And I don't think anybody else did anything comparatively big. Randy, what say you? Do you agree with the Kevin Holland pick or does somebody else stand out to you? Perhaps maybe a former opponent of yours. Yeah, I do. I do think that, that, uh, that Adrian, I think, um, had like the, the biggest performance. I think Kevin Holland had a, had a huge performance, but with everything that was going on with the, between Adrian and Tony and, and like, you know, whether you're agreeing on the derogatory statements that Tony said and, you know, just just all, a bunch of shit lining up. And, and, and Adrian, I think it's his first fight in front of a crowd. Uh, you know, now he's, he's in the top 15. He's got a big win at home. Uh, he's on like a five-fight win streak and just and just knocking dudes out, I mean, myself included. Uh, I don't know, man. I just think that that was, a, that was a really big showing for him. And I think that, like, what it sets up going forward, I think, is, is bigger than what kind of um, – maybe what Kevin Holland might have going forward. I mean, Kevin Holland obviously has title contention, this, that, the other thing, but I think that Adrian kind of put him in a, himself in a position to maybe get like the fight with O'Malley, which is, which could be a huge fight. You know, I think Adrian grew his stock like tenfold after that performance fighting in front of a crowd um, on, on ESPN and at home. I, I don't know. I just think that Adrian uh, probably had the, the, the best performance uh, that night. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to choose from. I was very high on Joaquin Buckley's performance. That was a, I mean, he he showed me a lot in that one. Uh, Natalia Silva, what a debut for her. She, I mean, talk about stock rising. She was fantastic, but both tremendous answers. Both have compelling cases for the MVP of the card. And both have compelling cases, both of you guys anyways, to win this first point. So the point for round one goes to... You're right, Jed. Randy Costa gets the point. It's really tough when the top of conversation is something I haven't seen. <laughs> but you this is a hard you, one. You, That's on me. You, you, that is, you gave me the categories, and I just did not watch it today. And you literally told me this morning, I still haven't watched that fight, and you still haven't. And that's okay. I that's okay. To do. Go back and watch there it other time. To that's do right. Today. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. That's right. But something I'm sure you are familiar with, Jed. Dana White and Nate Diaz are back at it again, guys. They're back at it because earlier this week, Diaz takes to social media, politely asks the UFC, hey, book me to fight in July or August, or just release me because I have bigger things to do. I have bigger fish to fry. And he shows the clip of Jake Paul knocking out Tyron Woodley in Tampa. And then later on, Dana does an interview with Oscar Willis of the Mac Life gives his response, and I'm just sort of spitballing here. Look, this isn't Kamar Usman we're talking about here. Diaz only has one win in the last five or six years. Maybe he should go fight Jake Paul. That fight makes sense. And Nate responds with, okay, send me the release. And on and on we go. So Randy Costa, what do you make of this whole thing between Dana and Nate Diaz? And if Dana really wants, really feels that Nate Diaz should go Paul, why doesn't he just go box Jake Paul? Man, it's it's such a slippery slope because 
I mean, how many guys have have lost or five or the last six or, or whatever that number is, and still been like a like a huge draw? I mean, what BJ Penn maybe, but I mean, I would argue that Diaz is probably a bigger draw than BJ Penn. Um, but it, it's it's tough, man. It's it's such a slippery slope. I think there's still huge fights for Nate. I think there's like even put him on a pay per view. I think there's still a lot of potential, a lot of things to do with Nate still. And I think he only I think he only has what one fight left on his contract. I think there are a lot of fun fights to be made. I think him and Connor make sense. I think, dude, I would even say that him and Robbie Lawler make sense at this point. I think there are still fun fights um, for Nate, um, but I think we can all be realistic um, by saying he's he's probably not going to go for a title run. And just having one fight left, why not use him and get and, and get the exciting fight and get the draw and get the numbers? Because, dude, like I said, there are a lot of fun fights with Nate, and and I might be going. I, I'm a Nate Diaz fan, a thousand percent. But I'm not sure if if uh, if Jake Paul boxing match is, is the smart is the is the move. I mean, I don't know, man. I I think that I understand Diaz's argument and I understand Dana's argument. But I think that there's still so much money to be made for both of them off of each other, and setting up like this big mega fight. You know, with with Conor coming back supposed to be this year, or even Robbie Lawler who just beat his brother. I think there's still like a storyline. I think there's still opportunity to kind of like. To, to, to milk it and, and get like a like a fun fight out of Nate, man. I don't know. It's such a slippery slope. He's such a unique guy. Um, but I guess that's why we love him. Jed, this probably won't be the last time we talk about this particular subject on this show. I'm sure we've talked about it multiple times because these guys just keep going round and round in a circle. But it's very rare that Dana actually reacts and he takes a stance and then he goes out and just says, yeah, maybe you should fight Jake Paul instead of just saying, we'll figure it out. He's in the mix. We'll work something out. Nate's hard to deal with, but we'll figure it out. How are you viewing this latest round with Dana actually kind of taking a side here and trying to push the chips in the middle on that side? I think Dana's saying, yeah, you should go box Jake Paul while he's still under contract with us. So we get a piece of that. Because that's the point. That's what all this is about. Everyone knows it. It's so transparently stupid. And it's like, it shouldn't bother me that Dana White like lies because he's done it so often that like it should, you should just be acclimated to it. But I'm not. And like in the, in the quote, he even leads like, I'm not trying to shit on anybody, but Nate sucks to paraphrase the end of it. Like, it's like, but Nate's won one in five and blah, blah, blah. Cool. His record has no bearing on him being a star. He is not his brother. He is not saying, I want to fight Kamal Usman. He is literally saying, I will fight any human being to be out of this contract because he wants to be out of this contract so he can go box Jake Paul and get a boatload of money that he doesn't have to give the lion's share to the UFC. And Randy's right. The Connor thing is a great fight. And Nate knows that. And they want to, he and Connor want to do it outside the purview of the UFC where they make all the money instead of the UFC making the bulk of the money. And like, that's, that's literally the whole point because any rational human being would have just been like, all right, Nate clearly doesn't want to work for us anymore. And it's, it's really shitty of us as people to hold, like lock him into this contract just because we have the ability to do so. And we're just going to offer him Hamza Chimaev over and over and over again. Uh, so he can get potentially injured and go out in the worst possible way. When instead, the way to make money and the way to treat him like a like a real person uh, and like a real business, as opposed to a predatory promotion promotional organization, is to just do the freaking Nate Diaz Dustin Poirier fight. 
Both men want it. The fans want it. It's been talked about for well over a year. Just do it. And Nate gets to leave. And that's fine because it's okay for you to not get everything in the world. The UFC is making a billion dollars a year. They don't need Nate Connor three under the promotion. It is not going to bankrupt them or hurt them in any capacity. This is just a digging the heels in moment. And because they can, they have the power and it's Tommy Shelby. Why? Because we can. And if we can, we do. And that is what Dana White is doing. And it's super frustrating, mainly because I'm just tired of this. I want this story to be over because I, I agree with Randy. I don't think it's the greatest idea for Nate to go fight to, uh, Jake Paul. Not He should because it's a big bag of money, but I'm not confident that that goes well for him, and then there just aren't that many options afterwards. But if all he wants to do is box Jake Paul and then fight Conor McGregor under their own promotional banner and make $10 million and then be done with fight sport, that's fine. I'd like to get there so we can stop having this conversation the same way that I don't want to have any more freaking conversations about open scoring or any of the other like repetitive, stupid things where the answer is very obvious. Like, let's just get to point B. It's not that friggin' hard. It's a great rant. In the end, as, a, as we all know, I know. I, listen, and I guess like if you want to play devil's advocate, maybe Dana won't go for the co-promotion because what if he does co-promote this fight against Jake Paul and he's with Nate the whole time and then Jake beats him? That's not a good look for him. But at the same token, either way, everyone will not come out of this satisfied. The UFC will come out satisfied, like you said, Jed, because from a business perspective, they're coming out golden no matter what. Hashtag all the money. You're making but, a billion dollars a year. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Literally they have this ESPN a billion deal. dollars They're making a year. money hand over fist. It's it's crazy. They don't need Nate. And they could be even more petty and just keep him sidelined for as long as they want. You know, as long as, you, like you said, they offer him a fight from time to time. So I'm curious, Jed, we want to get to point B. We want this all to play out. We don't want to talk about this anymore. But will we be talking about this a year from right now, Jed? What is Nate Diaz's combat sports professional life going to look like? Is he still going to be without fight sitting on the UFC roster? Will he have had his fight and is fighting elsewhere? Is he still in the UFC? Is he not in the UFC? What is he doing a year from now? I would like to speak directly to Nate Diaz. So if anyone watching this can clip it and tag him or, or whatever, I've said this many times before, but Nate, I'm reaching out to you directly in this capacity. There's a really simple outcome here. They are physically going to have to offer you a fight. Whoever it is, just say yes. It, it simply does not matter. Just say yes. You say yes, and you accept the fight, and you go to the fight. And as soon as the fight starts, have Nick throw the towel in. You will have done nothing wrong by definition because your corner threw the towel in. The fight will be over, and you will have satisfied your contractual obligation to the UFC. At which point, you can go do whatever the hell you want. And that's the outcome that should happen. If the UFC isn't going, they're not going to give you a release. So you can quit tweeting about it. Just say yes to the fight and move on with your life. You will be happier. I will be damn sure happier. And mostly the world will be happier. And you can finally go box Jake Paul. And that will be, f and, and then you guys can both, during your promotion, you, you and Jake can talk about Dana sucking ass. And that's fine. Just do that. I am begging you, accept any fight that comes your way immediately throw in the towel and move on with your life. So is that your answer? He's going to just do that? That's it. And a year That's from it. Now he's out? Okay. Okay. All right. Randy, what do you think? A year from now, 
Where, where is Nate Diaz from a combat sports perspective? I, I'm not sure if if we'll see Nate competing in, in MMA uh, after he satisfies his UFC contract. I do think that there'll be boxing for him. Um, I would even go as far as saying there'll probably be jujitsu comps for him because I mean he's 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 I mean he's a draw. I mean you you want you want to watch him compete. I'm I'm hoping that we do see. Uh, and I do think that we will. I think that we're going to see Connor Nate three. I think that makes sense. I think all the timing makes sense. You would assume that Connor would want like a, a tune up fight, and stylistically, this is probably like the the safest fight for Connor in regards to that in in regard to his shin, right? Not like safest fight meaning he's going to win the fight. I mean safest fight in regard to his shin. He's not he's not going to get his legs kicked out. Uh, Nate doesn't check kicks. Um, yeah, man, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's weird. I, I think that Nate is going to satisfy that, that contractual requirement um, with the UFC by, the, by this time next year for sure. Um, but after, I mean, you, would, you have to assume that Jake Paul is going to be calling his name. And that, that's just a, that's a huge draw. I think that makes the most sense or makes, makes sense in terms of like pay-per-view and, and, and money and finances and things like that. Um, not sure if it makes sense from like an athletic standpoint, but other, other standpoints for sure. Um, yeah, man, I, I just – I do think, and I have a feeling that we're going to see Connor Nate three, and then I think that Nate's just going to sail off until he gets like another big opportunity with a promotion elsewhere, um, where it's going to be like a one fight gig, and he's going to get a, a, a boatload of money for it. Chad, if this is the way that it goes, we're going to be talking about this a lot on the show because that's going to be—he's going to be waiting a while for that Connor fight. If that, I mean, it seems like that's what the UFC wants. They're just what going they to ice want. him until Obviously this fight happens. But I mean, February yeah. or March—I mean, it could be that long. That's—I mean—that's just a long ass time, but. We'll see what happens. It's, we will it's see obviously what, what the UFC wants. It's just very stupid. Like they they just really want that, and I understand why they want it. I also think that they could just look at their bank account and be like, "This doesn't matter. We we truly don't care. Our pay per view sales literally don't matter because we get a flat rate from ESPN. <laughs> so like, what do we care? Because they've they've made that choice for everything else. That's where we get. 800 freaking uh, contender series talents filling out every card now, flooding the market with, with 10K fighters and letting like decent people go. Like that, but they're not doing it here, and it feels really personal, and it mostly just feels real dumb. Well, what isn't dumb is the main event of this Saturday's UFC card, but I'm excited to talk about it. Point for round two goes to... I mean, when you actually talk directly to the band, you got to get the point. <laughs> Jed Bashu. It's one-to-one. I hope he sees it, and I hope he does it, and I'll retire from MMA if that's the case. <gasps> How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> wow. We can't do that. We can't, we can't go that long. We can't go forever without the fiery hot takes if this happens, and that would be just a tremendous career, thing that happened. My career would have peaked. Why would I need to come back? <laughs> I mean, I didn't think it could peak more than the Juliana Pena prediction over Amanda Nunes, but this would certainly do it, especially if Nate gets on the mic and thanks you personally. So let's go to UFC Vegas 57 because we have a lot going on this weekend. The main event, Armand Sarukian versus Matush Gamrot. Great fight. The hardcores love it. And what I enjoy about this one so much, Jed Mishu, is that the non-hardcores, the other folks, the casuals, maybe some of the old school folk, they're at least, they're not poo-pooing this like a top 
like bottom half of the top 15 heavyweight main event, they're at least asking questions and wondering why hardcore fans love this fight so much. They're at least putting in an effort to try to understand why people like this fight so much. How would you rate this main event? Because star-studded wise, it's not, listen, it's not the biggest drawing main event in UFC history, but I mean, skill for skill, prospect for prospect, where these guys could go ceiling for ceiling, this is outstanding. Where do you rate this one? This is A+. Plus. This, is, this is as good as mixed martial arts gets right here. I mean, I'm very high on both of these dudes. Um, no one's as high on Armand Sarukin as you are, uh, Mike, but I, I've said it. I think both of these – I think Sarukian, without a doubt, is going to challenge for a title, if not outright win one. Um, and I'm Lee, if I had to pick, I would say he wins one over just challenges for one at this point. Uh, and I think Gamrot is – He's a little older, so his window is a little bit is actually much smaller in that regard, especially in the division, which is the best in the sport. Uh, but I think this dude has all the talent to compete for a, a belt as well, and and may well get there. Uh, for my money, I, I mean, Sarukian is one of, if not the top prospects in the entire sport, and Gamrot is. Maybe just because he's 31, you can't really call him a prospect, even though he's still, you know, he's he's a, a new addition, a relatively new addition to the UFC. Uh, I think these are two of the if you're if I'm giving you a list of fighters to watch for the next like three years, these two dudes are for sure in the top ten. Sarukian is, like I said, maybe number one. Uh, and Gamrot's probably just outside the top five, like maybe like six or seven. <laughs> Um, this fight rules everything about it's great. I have legitimate questions about what it's going to look like. Uh, and the result is the, the winner of this, uh, I will feel absolutely certain challenges for a UFC belt within the next two years. Randy, your thoughts on this main event, Armand Sarukian, Matush Gamrat, two of the best up and coming 155 pounders, not just in the UFC, but uh, around the world. These guys are, are the real deal. What do you think of this matchup? Yeah, man. So I, I agree with everything that Jed said. And, but I, I, there's just, what's hard for me to, they're just not getting the respect that, they, that I think that they deserve as athletes. <clears throat> I mean, these dudes are both savages and they're, there's no like buzz behind this card. Um, there's no like, you're seeing some stuff on, on social, like hyping up this card, but it, it's not that much. And I think these dudes have, have, you know, the, the fighting styles and definitely the potential to put on an insane fight. And it's just, I don't know, man. I, I just don't think they're getting the, the respect that they deserve. I do think that Gamrot's going to win. I think I think both guys are savage. Armin's, Armin's just, I mean, he mauled Joel Alvarez in his last fight. Um, but I just think Gamrot has a, a tougher line of experience, especially in the UFC. Um, yeah, man, fun, fun matchup, real fun matchup. Just not getting the respect that it deserves, unfortunately. I, th I think that it's this 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 fight could could have been hidden on like a pay per view opener or like you know feature bout or something like that. And I just think with having a, a headline and spot on a fight night that's at the apex, I just I just think it's not getting it's not getting nearly as much respect as 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 uh, as they deserve. Wow, Armand Sarukian fighting Islam Makachev. Come on now, strike the schedule. 
Randy Costa, I mean, how dare you? Great. That that's a that's a single fight, right? I, and I I think that that's true. A thousand percent, right? But I think that ga- gaming Gamrock just beat Diego Fajeda. He fought Jeremy Stevens. He went to a split decision with that with uh, Guram Kulatze. I just think that the the strength of schedule overall favors Gamrock. Overall, I'm not saying that Armin had an easy ass road in the UFC. I'm just saying overall, in whole, I think Gamrock has had a uh, tougher tougher line of competition. You hear that, Armand? Clip this off. He's tag Armand. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead, Jeff. He What'd certainly had a t- he certainly had a tough line of competition outside the OC. I mean, dude oh, fought for sure. in KSW for sure. forever, and like he's certainly the more accomplished fighter of the two. Yeah, I got to I got to follow up and challenge at some point on this program. It's been too yeah. freaking friendly here for the, for two rounds. But Randy, Jed said, winner of this fight in the next two years, they're fighting for the belt. It's he, he would put his money down, winner of this fight fights for the belt. Do you agree with that? Or are you willing to take it a step further that the winner of this fight will be UFC champion in two years? Are we willing to go that far? I mean, that's bold because things, things, there's just so many outside variables. Like who, maybe someone's coming tomorrow. That's like the next biggest thing. And he skyrockets like how Yuri did. That's a bold statement. But I do think it's fair to say that they're going to be, I mean, fighting for the belt or, or fighting for contention for the belt or something like that within the next two years. I think that that's kind of a given. Um, I, I would even go as far as saying, I think if the winner gets out of this fight and it's like a, a pretty spectacular performance that, you know, maybe by this time next year, they're in like a contention type spot. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know about winning the belt. I think that that's, a, that's so bold and this and things are ever changing, but I think that top five, top three, uh, title contention, a thousand percent. I think that's a given for both guys, probably. Jed, as you, I mean, you you're on vacation. You you just returned, and heck of a morning has been on three days in a row, and a lot of talk <clears throat> about this fight, and a lot of talk about this card. But there are some folks who feel that, despite this main event being so good, that Sarukian as a prospect, Gamrot, I agree with you, thirty one. It's teetering on the line of prospect and veteran, but. Prospect from like a UFC sense. If you want to call him a prospect, I ain't going to argue with you. But there are people asking, are these two guys even the best prospects on the entire card, Jed? Because in the co-main event, we have Shafkat Rachmanov, who has just been mowing people down. And now he gets this opportunity to fight a really tough fight in the welterweight division where the risk is high. The reward is will answer questions, but it's not super duper high beating neil maggie it's it's great it'll answer questions but you're not gonna get like just bolstered in such a massive way if you beat neil maggie so your questions about shavkat neil Magny, does this co-main event provide you with more questions to be answered than the main event does uh no but i will uh, first i'll say i i find it it's not wrong but it is very interesting that uh, when you started that talking about potentially a better prospects on this card, you went to Shavkat and didn't mention Umar Nurmagomedov, who is actually, I would say, arguably a better prospect than like he's he's <laughs> certainly in that conversation. I think he's definitely a better prospect than Shavkat, for being honest. Um, so this there's a lot of lot of budding talent here uh as far as the co-main event fight rules it's a really good fight i'm really excited about it uh it's not as good as the main event if i had to pick which of these two fights i would prefer be five rounds it's absolutely for certain the main event um so i'm glad that we got that as a main event for that um 
Magni is, this is a really good fight to test things. Like, because at the time, I mean, one, Shavkat has been getting comparisons to Hamzat, um, both because their names are fun and because they have looked completely unstoppable and undefeated welterweight records. Uh, I think Shavkat's not as good as Hamzat, frankly, um, but I think he's also very good. But we talked about it at the time, like, Neil Magny would have been a really good fight for Hamzat to take it during his progression up because, and Magny wanted that fight because Magny's really good at, you know, thriving in the underdog role, at just winning fights you don't expect him to. He is always in shape. He is always game. He's a tough out for anybody. And so I like this fight from that perspective because I think we are going to learn some stuff about Shavkat here. And frankly, I have questions. I have more questions about Shavkat than I did about Hamzat. Uh, and some of them are going to be answered here. Now, if Shavkat comes out and just tackles Magni to the ground and Kiesa's all over him, won't shock me at all. But we haven't seen him face as much opposition as Neil Magni is going to put up against him, and Neil Magni is going to continue to press the pace. He is going to stuff takedowns and kind of use that long, lanky range of his, and I think it's, just, it's a really good fight. I'm really interested in it, but just not as much as the main event who has... A dude like if, if Islam Makachev didn't exist, I would say that Armand Sarukian is going to be a champion. Like I would be very confident in that. But the problem is, if Armand gets a title fight in the next two years, he's going to have to beat Islam, and he already didn't do that. And granted, things have changed dramatically, but I also just think I still favor Islam in that rematch based on how how Armand fights. So like that's the big issue. We're talking about a guy who's championship caliber, and. Maybe Shavkat's that, but I, I'm not nearly as sure about it as I am with the main event. So I'm still favoring the main event. What do you think about that, Randy? Shavkat versus Neil Magny, obviously a big fight. And then, you know, a big prospect in your division, as Jed mentioned, Umar and Magomedov getting ready to fight Nate Manus. So of those two fights outside of the main event, which one from a just an analyst perspective, from a fan's perspective, which one are you more interested in? Is, I mean, take the weight classes out of it because obviously you'll be more focused on 135 because you could in the future fight both of these guys so but just as a fan sitting back not thinking about anything just fight for fight which one do you are you do you have more questions about which one are you more interested in De- definitely the shock fight man i think that i think that neil is the 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 perfect opponent at the right time to see what shock about i mean neil magny is he's like as game as they come uh super long good everywhere not great necessarily anywhere um, but just tough to deal with. Uh, like Jed said, always in shape. He's going to be there for the full 15 minutes should it go for the full 15 minutes. And I just think there's, there, there's a lot of questions about Shakva, and I think that Neil Magny is the perfect the perfect pers- person to kind of present those questions so that Shakva can answer them. Uh, can can Shakva last like that tough, grueling, dirty pace that, that Neil Magny has? Who knows? We're going to see that on Saturday night. I think with the, with the Umar fight, I mean, everybody knows – the numbering men of last name. Um, I think that Umar's Umar's obviously a savage, um, but I just think there's less name value with Nate Maness, so there's not as much buzz behind that fight, which fair. Um, and with the the shock fought fight, I mean Neil Magny's been around for forever. He's he's been in the picture forever. I mean he's he's he was he was never like one of those guys where like all right this guy's probably going to be the chance but champ. But he was always that guy like all right this dude's going to be a problem. He's he's not an easy fight for anybody. Um, he's gonna he can contest with anybody. I think that we we're gonna have like a very interesting stylistic matchup, and I'm interested to see how the fight goes after like you know the halfway point of the fight with Shakfat and Neil. Because like I said, man, there, there are a lot of questions with Shakfat and how much 
you know, what what his ceiling is. And like Jed said, I don't think there's any comparison between, you know, Kamzat and Shakvai, besides their 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 names that they you know they're fun to pronounce. Um but I think Kamzat is I don't I don't think that Shakva is just like that next like, oh shit, this is the dude. Um but this fight right here, I guess, is the perfect one to kind of, you know, put put my judgment to test. I think I think it's a, a great fight, a very exciting fight. But I think Shakvat is is probably the more exciting fight over the for the, over the uh, the Usman fight, Umar fight. Yeah, and I see people in the in the chat kind of poo-pooing this card. Listen, it's sandwiched. It's it's just a tough spot to be This in. card's good. Yeah, it's this it card is, is legitimately good. You're following UFC 275 and UFC Austin in the emotional roller coaster those two events and, put us on, especially 275. and leading into 276. Like this is exactly. this is supposed to be a dog shit card. Like this is in that exact window of like here are good things and another incredibly important thing is happening. This is the card where they dump the the crap on you. It's like yeah, we just got to give some people fights. Here's Garbo. A lot of the fights in this card are really fun. <laughs> yeah. This is where AK's gymnastic scale is going to be met, maybe even exceeded. Just look at the matchups by themselves. Maybe you don't know I do them, have an issue. Actually... Uh-oh. I have, I have one major issue. We talked about it on No Bets Barred, my, my podcast with Connor. I, I think I know where you're going with this, but I, I may have the same issue. What in the bloody hell is Josh Parisian versus Alain Badeau doing on this fight card? <laughs> my issue, outside of that just being a bad fight between bad fighters, which probably isn't UFC caliber and certainly shouldn't be on the main card of any event the UFC puts on, my primary issue with it is Badeau's French and Parisian's name is Parisian. Put this in UFC Paris, you absolute goons. Joe Silva would have <laughs> would have never made this mistake. Sean Shelby, do better, man. Do better. Wow. I thought you were going to say because this is a late starter. It starts at 7 p.m. Eastern for the prelims, and then we have a 10 p.m. main card with, I believe it's a six-fight main card? Six-fight main that. card. I'm used to that. I'm not used to them missing a golden opportunity to have a French dude fight a guy named Parisian in Paris. That's incredibly <laughs> stupid to me that that is a thing that's happening in Vegas at a freaking Apex event. Maybe we'll get some uh, Ankalaev, Iwan Kuchalaba weirdness, and it's like a no contest Hopefully. or a draw, and then we get to do the, the Honestly, rematch. Honestly, I don't there. even care. Just, just book it again. I don't, I don't care the outcome. <laughs> just do it again at UFC Paris. You're missing a golden opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> oh man all right let's move on to round four i'm telling you this this vegas 57 card has got to be fun to watch but the point for round three goes to i mean randy was looking real good and then two things happened jed to the end and then two he turned michael kies into a verb so he gets the point it's two to one. <laughs> case it all over him <laughs> that's, that's like that's oh, a thing that man. could happen the bellator champion series is back in action friday may 17th live from paris france reigning bantamweight champ patchy mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist magomed magomedov and Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the US. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the US, so make sure you don't miss it. 
<laughs> so let's go to round four. We're continuing sort of on this on this UFC Vegas 57 trek because it's one of the options because we have just a plethora of options for events to watch. There's three of them tomorrow. We got, of course, UFC Vegas 57 on Friday, but tomorrow we have the PFL, who is going to be in Jed's backyard of Atlanta, GA. We have Bellator 282 emanating from the scenic, iconic Uncasville, Connecticut, Mohegan Sun Arena. And then at another casino, thousands of miles away in lavish Hollywood, Florida, Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship is back with BKFC 26. I mean, just iconic venues, iconic cities for all of these cards. Jed, we'll begin with you. There's also a Cage Warriors in Belfast. There's a Cage Warriors in Belfast. So that's happening, but we're, we're focusing on these four cards. Jed, if you can only watch one of these bad boys, what are you watching? Well, I don't know what the BKFC card is because I largely don't keep up with that organization um, because I don't also spend my time in retirement homes. So I have no idea what that card is. Uh, so that won't be it. Um I the correct answer is the UFC, if for no other reason than that main event, co-main event are incredibly relevant, awesome fights. But oh what the hell. I'm going to it. Uh I will be on on site because as you said, it's in my backyard in the A in what I'm not kidding, I haven't been to, but I think is actually just like a middle school gymnasium because I've literally I've lived in Atlanta a decade. <laughs> And when they when they sent out the like, here's where this is happening. I was like, I've never heard of this place, and it's not like in the burbs somewhere. And so that's why I haven't. It is in downtown Atlanta, and I've never heard of the place that they're putting this on. So I think it might just be like a gym. Um, but I, I'm excited <laughs> to find out about it. I'm excited to sit <laughs> next to the much lauded Smart Cage in my organization, the PFL. Um, and honestly, it's. As far as PFL offerings go, it's a pretty good card. It's probably not as good as the one next week, but um, and I'm unclear why Bruno Capeloza is in the main event as opposed to Anthony Pettis and Stevie Ray, which are is like a much more obvious main event to do. But they want to give Bruno the shine, you know, heavyweight heavyweight champ or whatever. Um, but the rest of the card's pretty decent, you know. Chris Wade, Cal Bokniak's good fight. Um, it's opening with Brendan Lonane which is very strange. I know some some weirdness happened with them this week where they like shuffled a bunch of fights randomly and some dropped off. Like I don't really know what that was all about, but the end result is still a pretty decent card. And since I'm going to be cage side for it, next to the smart cage, uh, I will say that that is my top event for this weekend. Okay. All right. Maybe you can ask Don Davis about transparency and... Because, I mean, they just came out and made the statement that Clay Collard won the last fight. In the, in the interest of transparency, we feel Clay Collard won. And like then that's it. it. Like, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> like, that's how I would run an organization, I thought for sure, too. I thought for sure with the way he left that tweet, the dot, 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 that he's going to be like, therefore, we have – we're anointing Clay Collard as the playoff – participant and this other dude martinez is gonzo and that would have been that's what they, just the funniest they, thing ever they really should just do instead of even doing playoff like all right so they have the season and you fight to be in the whatever 
And then just one spot's just they they pick. They just have an at large bid that they get to determine. It's like, yeah, our at large participant. I don't know. We think Clay won, so we're just gonna let Clay fight it out. <laughs> Who cares? Make up the rules as you go along. You're making up stats about punch speed. Make up the rules to your own stupid events anyway. <laughs> Uh, so many questions so many questions randy what are you watching i mean listen you can watch ufc events all the time does maybe bellator maybe pfl at the middle school gym apparently maybe bkfc maybe that i don't think that's that far from you if memory serves me correctly so what, what are we thinking here well I, i'm 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 going to the bare knuckle event everybody loves the circus i want to be at the circus uh, there's some, there's some actually like fun fights. I mean, Jimmy Rivera's fighting. I mean, he was a huge player in the bantamweight division in the UFC. That'll be a fun fight to watch. Uh, Beck Rollins' fight, also uh, UFC UFC vet. Uh, there, there are a couple of good fights on it. Just that's, I mean, it's just you, you go there, you go there for for the, for the circus. It's, it's just fucking wild. Um, and and I, I'm I'm here for it. The the PFL card though, that that's a good one. I'm really interested in the um in the Bellator card. However, I just think it's. That whole tournament uh, format is just super, super interesting. Um, you know, Brendan Ward's fighting, uh, Gengar Musasi's fighting, and and uh, I'm 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 very friendly with the, the Italian gangster Danny Sabatello. I like him a lot. I love his character. I think it's fucking awesome. I think it's hilarious, and I think that the that the the sport needs it. And I think it's him being in the in the in the Grand Prix is is awesome, and it's great for Bellator. Um, of of. I mean, Saturday night is the UFC's card, but everything else is tomorrow night, I believe. Uh, of the two cards tomorrow night, I'm probably more interested in the Bellator one. However, I'm really excited to watch uh, to watch Pettis fight, as I'm excited to watch Brendan Lofnane fight. I think both those guys are super exciting. Um, bare, bare knuckle is bare knuckle. I mean, it's just it's fucking madness. Everyone, you know, it's, you don't really know what's going on. You just something's going on. And you gotta watch it because everybody's all fucked up. I don't know, man. It's a, it's a good weekend of fights. Of the two tomorrow night, though, like I said, probably Bellator. But I'm, I'm, I'm definitely most excited for the UFC event. If I could pick one of these four cards to cover right now, it would be BKFC, and it wouldn't even be close. Like it wouldn't dude, even be a discussion. I would the take, take the flight out. Oh, dude, I covered. Uh, I, I covered the probably one in July when Paige fought. Um, uh, who did? Who did she fight? How do I not know this? Was it Britain? Rachel Ostevich? No. Ostevich. Jeez, Louise, how the hell did I forget that? Ostevich? Yeah. That was by far the most fun I've ever had covering a fight card in my whole life. It was exactly it was how you described so it. It was fun. so much fun. It was it's ridiculous. just fucking madness. Like no one really is sure what's going on. It's just going on. It's just fucking insane. So Randy waxed poetically. Jed, I'll turn it over to you. I'm sure you were a little upset that he mentioned this name, but I'll just throw it out so you get the chance to, to say this name. Oh. Of these three cards tomorrow – What's the fight you're you got circled over anything else? What's the one you you're you're most excited to hear about? Watch, find out the results to which one of these three cards tomorrow? Which fight are you most paying attention to? And why is it Danny Sabatello versus Leandro Ego? It's not like the the best fight of the weekend by far is Saruki and Gamrot, and I know that's boring. I here's the dividing line. I want to watch that fight. I don't give two tugs of a dead dog's tail about the post of it. Like I don't need to hear there whoever wins on the mic, but I desperately need to hear what Danny Sabatello says after he cases all over Leandro Ego. So if I can just get that as a mashup of, because I know how that fight's going to go. That's fine. I don't need to watch that fight. I know the outcome of that fight. I just want to see D Sabs on the mic. And I just want to see Saruki and Gamrot 
in the cage. Like that's, those are the two things I need this weekend outside of, you know, sitting next to the, the, the vaunted smart cage. <laughs> All right. The point for round four, let's get it ready. By the way, you know where this is going because you guys actually vote for the winner, but it was going to happen this way anyways. Point for round four goes to... It goes to Randy Costa because he answered the damn question. Judge is up to Saturday. I asked about Friday. It's two to two, but it's okay. It's all right. Jed's focused on the smart cage. What questions he's going to ask the smart cage at the post-fight press conference. I've, I mean, I've lots so of many, things distracting. I have right so now. many <laughs> questions for the smart cage. All right. So you know what that means, everybody. It means we're going to the knockout round. And I didn't even have a question in mind, but I might as well because there's a big announcement. Go with that question. But one's okay. Both will get it. One minute on the clock for each of them. They will both give their thoughts give their response once that is done we'll turn it over to you you'll go to the poll on this here youtube page you will vote for who you think won and then we'll bring on the honorable judge e casey Lydon to read off the decision so jed i think you got the prerogative here it's been a while since you've gotten a victory but well who does it I i do i think randy has a prerogative all right, we'll give Randy the prerogative. Randy, Price is Right rules. It's like you're in the showcase showdown. Do you want to take on the showcase first, or do you want to pass it on over to Jed? I'm going to go second. Okay. Jed Bashu, I think you probably know where this question is going because you mentioned his name earlier in the program, and now the man has a fight, and it's not against Nate Diaz. Jake Paul is fighting Tommy Fury August 6th. Madison Square Garden. There's going to be a press conference on Wednesday in New York, which will be hosted by our good buddy, MMA Fighting Zone, host of the MMA Hour, Mr. Ariel Hawani, right before the MMA Hour. This is the fight. This is what we're going with. And after the Tyron Woodley feud is is over, we're going back to the Tommy Fury well. This is a fight that you had mentioned many times in the program. Now that you've seen the poster, now that it's happening and it's headlining at MSG, is this the right fight for one Jake Paul? And what is your early thoughts on the matchup inside the squared circle? One minute on the clock. Your time starts now. It, it's not the right fight. Uh, I don't know. The truth is, I don't know what the right fight is for him. The right fight for Jake Paul is Nate Diaz. That obviously cannot happen for X, Y, and Z reasons. I think Tommy Fury has a really good chance to beat him. Um, Tommy Fury is not like some Boonderkin boxer, but... He's not a bad boxer. He obviously comes from a lineage of exceptional boxers. And most importantly, he is an actual, he is a boxer. Like this is a thing that he has done, that he does, that he does with his family who, you know, world championship caliber training and levels here. So really, he is also physically the equal of Jake Paul, which has not been what Jake Paul has faced at this point. This is a huge, huge step up in competition for Jake Paul, frankly, and one that he may well lose. So... But the other option mostly thrown out was Anderson Silva. And I think Anderson Silva tools Jake Paul up. So that's like a bad fight for him. So I don't know what the right fight was. Uh, This one at least has a little bit of smoke. If Jake Paul wins, it's a huge win. So that's kind of what he's hoping for. But he might be in trouble. Okay, I'm back. Um, I'm sure you, it was a riveting answer, Jed. I'm sure it was the greatest answer in the history of the show. Unfortunately, as it seems every, every day in this house, 
something friggin' stupid happens where <laughs> either the power goes out, there's a friggin' storm, or something happens with the Wi-Fi. And guess what? I missed half the answer. Good thing I don't well, make the I don't pick the winner of this round. The peeps do. Welcome to the yeah, low country, bud. I know, right? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Randy, we go to you, my man. Jake Paul getting back inside the squared circle, not fighting Nate Diaz. He's fighting Tommy Fury. He's fighting Tommy Fury. We're going back to this well. We saw it happen the first time. Tommy didn't make it. Tyron Woodley came back in. They're going back to the well. Is this the right fight? How do you see it playing out early? By the way, uh, opening betting odds, it's a pick of minus 115 on each side. One minute on the clock, Randy. Your time starts now. So, yeah, man, I think I think it definitely is the right fight for this time. I mean, the fight is just in, what, two months, eight weeks, nine weeks, something like that. Um, Jake Paul's promotion. But I, I think that what's kind of overshadowing is uh, that they have Amanda Serrano also co- co-headlining. I think that's a very interesting thing. And I feel like that's why everything was kind of scrambled to put this fight together. Um, I'm not sure at this point if the if the Tommy Fury fight makes sense, uh, aside from everything that's like, you know, they have a little bit of history together, the Fury name, this, that, the other thing. I would have much rather liked to see Jake Paul and Anderson Silva, as I'm sure a lot of other MMA fans would. But we'll take the Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury fight. It's a very interesting fight. It's the first like straight boxer that he's fighting. Um, Interesting matchup. I think that it's on. I think it's thrown together at this time just so they can meet that date so Amanda Serrano can headline and I think that's a very fair thing to do um yeah all right so that is happening uh, Amanda Serrano is fighting Brenda Carabajal in the co-main event so there you go big spot for Amanda Serrano back inside MSG Jake Paul will be the one to close the show but they're co-headliners and <laughs> what Jen oh is that just I'd, tired yeah. fatigue yeah Yep. Fatigue. Fair enough. Okay. Vote now, as it says right there. We'll give you about a minute. We'll just plug away here while you guys do that. Tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern, back with another episode of Heck of a Morning on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. Free for all Fridays. We're going to talk about whatever the hell you want to talk about. Someone asked me about my favorite concert experiences earlier. So if you want to ask questions like that, whatever the hell you want to ask, I don't care. What, what, what was your favorite concert experience, Mike? Tom Petty was the correct answer. Tom Petty was the best one. That's a good one. Yeah. Ambiance was tremendous. She can't. Are you can't still be contact? I haven't been a really show? bad one. Yes. And I was talking, I told the story about a 75 year old lady just getting blasted and dancing in her, <laughs> just having the best time ever. And I was just like, man, when I'm 75, like, that's how I want to be living life. I saw Young Jeezy in concert right before Thug Motivation 101 became this like global phenomenon. And that freaking ruled. <laughs> It was the best thing I've ever been to in my life. What the fuck? It was unbelievable. Back in the day, I was very into rap. Uh, I still love rap music, but like I was into all sorts of rap. And before Thug Motivation 101 came out, he came to Savannah. He put on a concert at Savannah State. It was a bunch of people who went to Savannah State and me and one of my buddies from high school. It was incredible. That's amazing. That is amazing. So yeah, you could ask questions like that. You can learn more about our musical tastes and concert going experiences on Heck of a Morning. Jed is cool, man. We are asking. <laughs> Thanks, Galactus. 
<laughs> best that is hilarious. Is that, is that the guy best, you went to the concert with? It's got to be the guy you went to Savannah. No, to best part about the concert is the first rap concert I've ever been to. And I don't know if this is true or not, but like since there's nobody there, because Young Jesus wasn't really famous at the time, it was like right up front. And they just took out stacks of money and threw it into the crowd. <laughs> this was not a strip club. This was in a collegiate gymnasium. <laughs> and they just threw stacks of money <laughs> into the crowd. It was <laughs> unbelievable. Galactus has turned his back on you in a matter of seconds. So, yes, so that's happening. Preview show for UFC Vegas 57, 3 p.m. Eastern, tomorrow, live right here. And then Saturday, People's Pre-Fight Show, as of now, 6.30 p.m. Eastern, same channel. Post-fight show after the card, same channel. And then AK and I are back on Sunday for on to the next one for matchmaking. And then I'm my happy ass is on an airplane to Las Vegas on Tuesday for International Fight Week, and I am pumped for that. Mm-hmm. So, Casey... I look like I'm broadcasting live from a potato because of this friggin' internet. Please, for the love of the Lord, get me out of here. Who won? A potato. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> once again, a fantastic competition between two stellar athletes. But we do have a winner. We do have to pick a winner. <laughs> I'm using stellar um, very loosely. That's very loose. I wouldn't <laughs> call myself an athlete anymore. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, we have a decision. Your winner with 53% of the votes is... Ooh, close. Mr. Beautiful Mustache, Randy Costa. How can you fight? He them knew it. There? He already had the. He, knew he already it. had the. Uh, he knew it. The almost <laughs> overhead bicep pose is going on. So he gets How to ride his the giant unicycle. He gets to ride the giant unicycle into the winner circle for a 500 pound trophy that he can lug back to his condo on the beach in Florida. Congratulations, Randy Costa. What would you like to say about this victory? You have 30 seconds to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. You want to plug a sponsor? You can say whatever the hell you want here. Go. Well, first of all, I told you that I'm going to be undefeated with this mustache, and it started today. And next time I'm going to compete with this thing is October 1st against Guido Canetti, and I'm going to win that fight, and you're going to see, and you heard it here first. I uh, appreciate you guys having me on. It was a blast. Um, yeah, dude, pump for some fights this weekend. Let's enjoy the show and watch all these crazy athletes go to work. There you go. Jed, how do you feel about the decision from the peeps, especially when you're getting so much love earlier? I mean how do you fight the mustache that's it just is what it is uh thug motivation 101 is still an absolute classic of an album so what at galactus you're a hater and i'm sorry about it that's all i got there you go jed having a tough time with with people with facial hair like really elegant facial hair drake Riggs, randy costa it's just the facial hair seems to be the kryptonite here for jed drake Riggs is a cheater i don't i truly don't understand it because I worked Drake last time and I still lost by a billion. Like it's in any objective person is like, yeah, Jed murdered Drake. So yep. I don't get it. Whole I'm fine losing Lee's. Randy. I have no issues with that decision. <laughs> I do have issues with the Drake Riggs decision last time out. Before we go out, I got to just throw a bit of a side by side real quick. Look at these. Oh, jeez. Oh, you know, 10-7 Costa. Yeah. We'll say well, wait, they're, uh, they're, they're different the Tom styles. Selleck mustache is not as good <laughs> as as the vaudeville. 
Vaudeville villain, villain mustache. <laughs> we're, we're, we're different eras of mustaches. That's all. We're in the same club. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. All right. There you go. We're going from the 80s back to the early 80s. Yeah, so yeah. there you go. It's, it's like looking at the collection of the 1986 Boston Red Sox right in front of us. So, all right. I got to get out of here before my Wi-Fi just completely craps out. Thank you very much for watching. For Jed Bashu, for Randy Costa, for E. Casey Lydon on the ones and twos, I am Mike Keck. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you back here once again between the links. Don't know if we're going to do video, but Jed and I are going to do something because I'll be in Vegas and probably just going to oh, hit yeah. recording go. So in the meantime, we'll see you then. See you back here next week between the links. Good night, everybody. Love you guys. This has been Between the Links, an MMA fighting production on the Vox Media Network. Wow. Esther, what are you doing? The real what are you here voice. for? What a moment. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on Home mom? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.